Welcome back to Off the Cuff. I am your host, Daniel Priori. I am joined by professional football player and mental health advocate, Doug Middleton. Doug, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be on the show. And my first question always is, how are you feeling? I'm good, man. I appreciate you, uh, you bringing me on the show. And, and I'm feeling good, man. Feeling encouraged, feeling hopeful, and um, you know, ready to, ready to talk about some real stuff. How's the body feeling? A little sore. It's been a hard week of training, man. I've been getting it, you know, but if you're not sore, that means you ain't pushing yourself. So I, I definitely feel a little sore. And um, I'm going to do some, you know, some some treatment this weekend, a little massage, sauna, you know, some stuff like that. But you know, I feel good. What's your favorite professional treatment? I think st- I think STEM might be my favorite. Massage is close, but STEM <laughs> kind of. Massage is first. Second is going to be the sauna steam room combo. Okay. I don't know if you ever tried the sauna steam room cold tub combo. No. You go, I think, um, I got this from my, uh, from my friend Jack Sock. He's a professional tennis player. But um, you go in the sauna, you know, start in the steam room. You go in the steam room for like, I don't know, four or five minutes. Then you go in the cold tub. Then you go to the steam room, I mean, to the sauna from there and just keep going back and forth like that. So I have too, many, too much anxiety for that many yeah, yeah. Uh, temperature changes. Yeah, uh, but, um, it's, it's also, cool. that's dope. And also, I wanted to ask: Does the Cairo, uh, Cryro, what's it called? Yeah, does that actually work? It does. It does. Um, you got to do it a few times to you know for it to be as effective. But I, I think it works. You know, um, I think it definitely re- relieves some of the soreness, and it's effective to me. Yeah, I'm afraid to go in one of those things. It's too small. Yeah, and I the feel concrete- like. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll be the one person who's like Johnson freezes off in there. So, so, <laughs> I'm, not, so I'm afraid that I'm going to be that one guy that would come up on the news. This guy, guy's dick falls off in, in, in cryo tank, cryo tank, whatever it's called. Have you, have you think that small, <laughs> have you been in a hyperbaric chamber before? I have. That's, that's one thing that I've been in and it was terrifying. And the other thing that I did was, uh, you know, those still tanks, like those, uh, I don't know. Oh, like, hey, like, yeah, like the one of the salt, um, the salt joints, the salt. No, one. Yeah. I had to get out. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That can be a little scary too. Like yeah. That, yeah, that's tough. How long do you sit in a hyperbaric chamber for? I know people that sit in there for hours. You can sleep in them. I know, no way. Yeah, yeah people go to sleep in them. Yeah. That's cr- do you have one? I don't. No, that, yeah, I, I don't got one of those. I mean, I've done a few times. I just, I don't know if my body didn't respond as well to it, but I, I haven't really seen you know, the benefit to that point of it for me. You know? Yeah, yeah. Where are you at now? I'm at the crib. I'm in Charlotte right now. Um, You're in Charlotte. So, yeah, I have a home in uh, outside of Charlotte. And um, so, yeah, just at the house right now. Oh, man. Those taxes got to be low down there, huh? Yeah, yeah. Those taxes are a lot better than New York and, and uh, Jersey. I can tell you that. Let me tell you something, dude. Living up here, <laughs> it's you think a pandemic would slow some stuff down. I think it just got more expensive. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I like I said, I played, you know. I played, yeah, you played in New York a couple of years. I know how it is. You know, you've seen the paychecks. It's like you feel like you're working half for the Jets and half for Uncle Sam. So, I mean, <laughs> by the time I get my pennies, I'm like, I'm like, man. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, uh, so, you're from South Carolina or North Carolina originally? North Carolina. Yeah, North Carolina. What's the Salem? All right. Who's the best artist out of North Carolina of all time? The best artist out of Winston Salem? Uh, uh, no, no, just out of North Kakalaki. I'm a Petey Pablo guy. The baby hot right now. He hot right now. The baby, yeah, he's he. I mean, I like the baby. I mean, some people say J Cole. Like, I mean, J Cole cool. You know, yeah, yeah. I, his flows are right to me. You got yeah, you got Petey Pablo. I mean, it's it's some heavy hitters. I mean, I, I'm a the baby fan, so I'm, I'm listen. Gonna... I'm a big the baby fan myself. It's just that that uh, take your shirt off, spin around your head like a helicopter. No, no, nothing's gonna be able to trump that song for me. You're right. You're right. I, I, I can go with that. You know what I'm saying? That. It's that North Carolina. I was like, yeah, yeah, Petey putting North Carolina on the map right now. The map on the map. Yeah. Still singing the song. So let me uh, let me ask you a little bit just uh, about your upbringing in uh, North Carolina. Always want to make sure I get people's uh, geography uh, correct. Um, for you. What was it like? What was the household like, um, especially in terms of, you know, when did you start playing football? What were your influences in getting into athletics? Were you, uh, you know, a lot of people think that it's like, you know, a naturally gifted thing, which it is, 
but the work ethic is really what sets them apart. So just, um, you know, what was it like growing up? Were you like that one kid that played like 11 sports and every AAU team wanted you to play for them? Yeah, so for me growing up, <laughs> um, I wasn't exactly that good in basketball, so we can go ahead and rule that one out. Okay. Um, but I came from a two-parent household. You know, both my parents worked, you know, very hard for me to get here. Um, my dad is, a truck, is, is currently a truck driver. My mom is, is worked in mental health. She's a uh, therapist. Um, as far as with sports, man, like, you know, it was never really easy for me. Um, you know, I always worked extremely hard. And, you know, I learned at a young age that hard work pays off. And then that's when I started to have success. You know, the more I worked, the more I had success. So uh, I had success young, you know, as a, as a young kid. Um, you know, I was a, you know, pop one star. Yep. High school, I wasn't, high school, I wasn't all that. You know, I wasn't the best person at my high school. I uh, was never, you know, on the all state list or anything like that. But like something that was special to me is just, is, is like you said, how hard I worked and, and how hard I focused on my craft. And, and that was something that kind of followed me to my entire career. And then with my parents, um, that's what they instilled in me. Just, just being able to know that like, you know, if you if you work hard and make good decisions, you know, everything else to kind of take care of itself. And and I think that they end up being a deciding factor for me and 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 making it to where I was is it's not the fact that I was the most talented, but it was the fact that I combined my hard work with the talent that I had and my decision making that kept on affording me opportunities when, you know, some guys may have had more talent, some guys may have, you know, may have may have had a few decisions that they made wrong and, and that's what kind of prevented them from being where I'm at today. For sure. I mean, uh, you know, uh, a lot of, a lot of stress doesn't really go into, um, uh, a little more now, but, um, it's, it's really about the, the company that you keep. I've, I've heard with a lot of the professional athletes that I've had on the show, it's, um, you know, everybody comes from a lot of different beginnings and, uh, for you having a little bit of a, a you got your blue collar dad, right? out there driving trucks uh yeah. what's have you ever gone on a, on a truck drive with your pops yeah yeah i have, I have. What's, the, what's the longest one you ever went on well he he does the local one but he drives man he drives hard he drives for like 12 hours a day man yeah no that's, he, that's hard kidding, man it's it's and i and i tell him sometimes because he wakes up at like three in the morning i was like man you got to get some rest man like you know, and, and it's it's kind of tough to have a schedule, but he's been doing it for so long. He's just used to it, you know. He's got a love. Does he love doing it or is it a love-hate? He like, loves it, but he complains about it. Danny, nah, he don't even complain about it, man. He loves it. like That's that old generation, you know. It's that old school generation. And I'm like, Pops, man, I could never even imagine myself working that much. You know what I'm saying? No way. He, he loves the grind so much, and, and he enjoys what he does, and he enjoys, you know, the – you know, the, the power they give him, you know, he, he trains some of the younger drivers, so cool. he loves that, you know, and, and I mean, he's making more money than he's ever made and, 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 it's, awesome, and so it's, it's, it's fulfilling him. And, and I think the real issues he's having is like, you know, what else do I do outside of work? Cause I think that's, that's the problem he's struggling with. Yeah. Cause he gets a, he got to be a dad at home and a dad at work kind of. Yeah, you know, and it's yeah. like, you know, is there anything else that I can do? And, and I think that's that's where his mind's at now. They don't make them like that anymore, my friend. They don't, man. They don't. They, don't. they really don't. It's bold, man. Yeah, different cloth, different cloth. It's bold, man. It's, they don't want to grind. So let's talk about your mom, right? So your mom is a is a therapist. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, well, counseling, well, she, you know, a little bit of the same thing. Yeah. Right, right, right. So she does a little bit of everything in uh, the mental health field. Uh, where where did she go to school? She went to Lander University. That's where she got her, her undergraduate, and she got a master's at uh, North Carolina A and T. Cool, cool, cool. So mental health has been something that's been focused on in your household for your entire life. Yeah, um, I would say that, but I would also say like my mom. Like it was some points in my life where I wanted my mom just to be my mom, not to be like a therapist. Yeah, she's psycho psychoanalyzed the shit out of you. Yeah, you know, every time it's like, you know, sometimes if you smoke weed in high school, you just being a regular high school student, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you going through something? Is something wrong with your son? Like, no, I'm just like, I'm I'm chilling. 
like a high school student. Like, you know, I'm not smoking all the time. I smoked it one time in like a year. You know, I just right. somebody like it was just an opportunity. And, and, and you know, you got to learn different things for yourself in life. You know, you got to learn. And, you know, some of the way she breaks certain things down, it's like right. I'm not always trying to be counseled and advised sometimes. Sometimes I just just want you to be mom. So, yeah, I'd rather you, know. you just yell at me and hit me at this point. Yeah, just hit me. You know what I'm <laughs> Let us, you know, you sit me down and feel like you got to talk to me and do this and do that. I'm like, listen, it's it's it's, it's not even that complex. No, 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 no. Uh, a lot of my friends whose parents are, uh, you know, um, a lot of parents that are in the uh, psychoanalysis field, uh, their kids, their kids usually get like super, super analyzed. Um, so. You kind of have like this crazy uh, mixture of parents, right? You got the blue collar dad, you know, the old school dad, but then you have like a, a, a pretty, you know, I always call therapists. I always think they're ahead of the curve on a lot of things. So like in terms of stigmas that we deal with in mental health, therapists understand that. So I feel like your mom has had a great understanding of those things. And obviously you get the work ethic from your dad and I'm sure from your mom as well. But you also um, get that advocacy from your mom, so it's kind of like a mixture of everybody. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. So, but, um, no, it's real life on here. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm sorry. I apologize. Nah, dude. Don't worry about that, man. Life everybody, is life, bro. Everybody in my neighbor. Everybody in my neighborhood stares at my grass, so it's it's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> you got the same because I meet a neighbor, they be like, Oh my gosh, your grass. And stuff. That's a down south thing. Just be like, Yeah, I don't care if you play football, your grass is fire. Yeah, it's, it's huge, man. It's yeah. huge. But, um, I just say it one more time a little bit. Oh, no, just, um, you know, you kind of have that, that blue collar work ethic from your dad, right? And I'm sure that your mom also works extremely hard at what she does. But, um, you know, you kind of get this mixture of like the tough guy, don't say anything about it, put your boots on, go to work. And then your mom has all of these skills to actually psychoanalyze you when you come home from school yeah. or like, you know, uh, what was that like? Was that like, what was the yin and yang of that situation, especially with your parents? I mean, now that you asked that, and I'm really like thinking back and reflecting on my life, like it's actually a perfect mixture of both. And that's actually a direct representation of, of who I am today. Like, you know, like I said, the reason, you know, I'm here where I'm at today in life is, is because of hard work, but it's, it's also because of, of, of my mindset and the way I think about certain situations. And, and I feel like, you know, now that you say it, like, I feel like that's where it came from. So, you know, it was always tough because, um, you know, my dad was a hardworking type, so he always believed in discipline and, and, and my mom, you know, may have thought things out a little bit more. There's know? levels. Yeah, yeah, it's levels. You know, it, yeah. it might not have been, you know, oh, let's give him a spanking. It's more like, well, let's sit down and sit him down at the table and actually figure out what's really going on. Like, you know right. what I'm saying? Different things like that. So, um It's all yeah. good, bro. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's what um I think that's what, you know, was a little bit of both uh for us and 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 really helped um make a difference in my life and and I mean like Danny, really, as you say, but I, I think that's exactly where I'm at. You know, that's what I'm it at. is. We we make breakthroughs on here. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We uh we we try to get people to think about shit. Uh, you know, they haven't thought about, or now it's like you know, uh, for me, for me, my parents. You know, my dad was a sports writer, so you know, I grew up around sports. I played. You didn't make any all state or anything like that. Uh, I I was ranked in the state, and uh, you're playing. I'm sitting here on the couch. So there, there's that. So that's what I want to talk about, though, is who were who were you playing with even like because you said you weren't even the best on your team. Was there was it, who, who else was there? Well, yeah, was, I mean, one of my good friends uh, still to this day is a guy named Chris Harrison. He played at ECU. He had offers from like Wisconsin and, and other big schools and and um Trying to think, one of my one of my friends, JT Surratt, he played football at UNC uh, USC University of South Carolina. Um, there was even other guys in the area that were really good athletes, um, you know, at the time, and and they still didn't even make it to college. Right. And and Danny, that's the thing, man. There's so many of these kids that that are great athletes, and um, 
you know, can can go out there and score 40, 50 touchdowns, but can't even go Division One. Yeah, know, can't even make it to Division One college. But why is that? And um, the reason I've I've been able to explore around that is is either is one their academics they don't have their grades right. Either two they they made one or two bad decisions that's really affected them. Or either three, like, you know, they got to look at, like, what their home structure is. Do they have the right type of people that's investing in them to help them get to where they need to be? And, you know, I had all three. I had my parents investing in me. I had people that helped me make, you know, good decisions. I had friends that kept me, you know, from around the bad stuff. And and my, my mom and dad always instilled academics in me. So I had all three, which, like I said, afforded me an opportunity to continue to, continue to play. And even when my ability didn't give me that opportunity. And um, that's that's what a lot of people um, really in any profession that you do, um, you don't have to be the best. Right. But if you're willing to outwork people and set up a network where people are going to you know, look out for you, nobody did anything by themselves. If, right. if, if you look at all of these amazing actors, right, Denzel had acting coaches and teachers and all of these things. A lot, everybody has positive influences in their life. Um, also, like you said, you know, back in the day, you know, it's a little bit different now, but, you know, kids are knuckleheads, some more than others get into trouble. They run, they run with the wrong crews. They get, you know, they can't stay out of trouble. For you going to Appalachian State, were you a walk on there? Did you commit? Were you recruited by them? Uh, were they your number one place where you wanted to go? And uh, how much do they talk about beating Michigan? <laughs> uh, people said, man, we beat Michigan in 07. I and know I, they still talk about that. People shit. Asking, like, man, we on the team that beat Michigan. I'm like, bro, I would be like 40 <laughs> years old. Like, no, I wasn't on the team that beat Michigan. You know what I'm saying? But that's the still, Appalachian like, State thing. It's just like, exactly. yo, dude. People, people, you know, still associate me with it. So yeah. I, I'll take it. Um, but no, I um I committed there. Um, it's actually an interesting story. I remember like going to like, you know, the camps at NC State and all the, you know, South Carolina Clemson, all the big camps and stuff like that. And, you know, I can remember the fact that they, did, they didn't want me, you know. Um, I had communication with the coaches, but they never gave me an offer or anything. And once I, you know, once I realized that I wasn't going SEC or ACC um, to one of the bigger schools, my eyes, I found I found App State. And I said, yeah, that's that's where I want to go to school at. And, um you know, once I once I laid my eyes on it, I went up there on a visit. Just went to one of the football games, and they bring everybody to the football games. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, no, they're it packed. like they had any interest in me, but you know, so uh, I'm at one of the games, and, and that's when I really knew me and my dad was there. And then, um, you know, I went through the process, and and going into December and in my senior year, they they were interested, but they never they, they weren't offering. They were like. Right. We got a lot of other kids that are ahead of you that we kind of like a little bit more. What, what What's your mind state at um, in the terms of, you know, especially as a kid, you're a kid at that point, you know, H how are you dealing with, you know, for lack of a better word, rejection from like SEC, uh, SEC teams, ACC teams, whatever. Um, what, what are you feeling in that moment? Is it like, all right, we're just going to go on to the next one. Or did you, did you have any self-doubt? And it was it was like I can remember at the South Carolina camp um, for a school that recruited me pretty hard. They recruited me very hard. And um, is the name the coach's name was uh, Jay Graham. He was my recruiting coach. And I remember um, after the camp, they told me they weren't going to offer me. And I got in the car and. I cry like Booby Miles. Booby like, Miles. Booby Miles. <laughs> <laughs> like, they don't want me. They don't want me. They like, football. Like, so I, I, I cried just like, just like Booby, man. And, um, you know, the next day, I think we went to like the ECU camp or something like the next weekend or whatever. And um, I had a lot of success, but they still didn't make an offer. And I, the only thing that's ever been in my mind and still is in my mind right now to this day is to keep going. You know what I'm saying? And, right. And, and yeah, there's moments you're going to cry. Yeah. There's moments it's, it's going to be tough, but like, man, ain't nobody going to feel sorry for you out here in this world, man. If you got no. goals you want to accomplish, nobody ain't going to be like, well, Danny, man, like I'm a, I'm a make sure you accomplish them. Nobody not going to do that. They just no. gonna, 
you know, they're going to be like, man, it's, it's, I'm sorry to hear that. And, then, you know, the rest is on you. So, you know, I, I learned that at a young age. And, man, I just I just kept working. I kept working and I knew what I wanted out of life. And I knew where I wanted to go to school at once I found App State. But it was tough trying to find that. It was tough trying to find, you know, that school, that opportunity. And, you know, to be honest with you, App State didn't offer me until a couple of days before signing day. I was their last resort. Really? Like, I literally said, everybody else said no. So now we're going to offer you. And the coach, you know, my position coach and still a good friend to this day, he told me like, hey, man, you know, God really has something special for you. And that's why he aligned us together. And and literally a lot of people had to say no for me to get that opportunity. And I ended up coming in there my freshman year and being the freshman All-American. So, you know, you never know like why certain things happen to you in life. Um you just got to keep going and, and know that God has something for you and that, you know, everything kind of, you know, align together. And the co- I think the coolest thing about um, the non-coolest thing about college football is they don't pay the athletes. That's, that's a whole nother story. Um, but my, the coolest thing about college is that the scouting is so good now that you see kids from all walks of schools getting shots. Um, you know, the, obviously these are huge rosters, you know, I think it's the biggest uh, roster in professional sports. But, you know, you, you know, you, you had a quarterback from BYU go number two. Right. You, you, you know what I mean? So the, the scouting is like at an all time high. So, you know, it's 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 the I feel like it's the most minute things that could like get somebody uh, off or taken away. Not even who they are personality wise. It's just like one little thing. You know, it's it's one of the most overanalyzed sports uh in america i think it is the most overanalyzed sport uh in terms of uh the actual athletes um you know when you get to that level um everybody's running four fours four fives right everybody's putting up to 25 15 18 times some guys the bigger dudes obviously throw that shit up way more um for you though let's talk about going undrafted and i want to segue into this is because you're working so hard, right? So let's play devil's advocate. So you should be like, oh, like, you know, like you're working so hard, you know, uh, to play this game where it's, you know, you could be there one year, be gone. You could be there 10 years, stay there. Why are you doing that? Why, why, are, you, why are you working so hard for a job that's so fickle? Man, I say this, I say this every day. I, I got a journal every um. And I write in my journal the first day before camp starts. And I write a little notes to myself. And um, the note I always write is like, I can't remember the certain amount of days, but it goes something like this, like 90 days can change your life. Me playing football, me being on the NFL roster for 90 days can can change my entire life. You know what I'm saying? And and that's the value, that's the value that's in it. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's why I keep going, no matter the things that I deal with, because I know like how big of a deal, like just one game or one opportunity can make in my life. You know what I'm saying? So even though it's, it's up in the air a lot, and um, you know, like right now, like I, you know, I don't, I don't have a job currently right now. The thing about it is, 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 is very, things can change quick. You know what I'm that's part of the business right it's, it's a quick turnover your yeah. phone could ring as soon as we're, you, it could ring right now while we're talking exactly and and, and i've seen it happen like that you yeah. know and i've i've been in an experience where it's happened just like that where you know i'm sitting here depressed about why not why i'm not getting this opportunity why is nobody called and then like i literally remember right before i signed with miami i got um i was sitting there at the table and i was praying just writing in the journal stuff like and like, I don't think this opportunity is going to ever come around again. Like, I think I'm done. You got, you got, you got that dark in your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm putting it in my head. I'm like, right. Dang. Like, I'm, I'm got to that point, and my brother seen it because my brother was staying with me, and he seen it in my eyes. Right. He was like, bro, you need to get that shit out your mind, bro. Like, that's that's BS, bro. He was like, it's only been like, you only been without a job for two weeks. Like, just relax, man. Like, just, just keep going. Like, keep grinding. And that's I that was, support system you were talking about. Yeah, man, that support is real. Like, kid, that's what I'm saying. Like, kids, like, you got to have that. Like, kids going to come home from a tough day. They may be being bullied, had a bad game. And if there's nobody there to pick them up, like, 
they gonna stay there. Oh yeah. You know what I'm and I could have, I could have stayed there. I could have been right there. But the thing about it is, like somebody picked me up and somebody encouraged me, and I kept going. And literally, that next that that next day, um, I was watching Monday Night Football, and um, they traded uh, Mika Fitzpatrick. Yep. The Dolphins called me the next day after that, and I got signed to the Dolphins three days later. Changed my Look life. at that. So, uh, listen, for, for a guy that's been on a couple of teams, you played in some good cities. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I ain't going to lie. You know what I, I mean? mean? Yeah, Miami, New York, yo. Miami, New York, uh, Jacksonville, uh, I don't know, not so much. But, yeah. but, but, but Tennessee is lit, too. Um, yeah. You know, if you're going to count Tennessee, Tennessee, uh, it is what it is, but – <laughs> I mean, we can talk about that. Like, I don't, I don't even count Tennessee. I, I people call that a cup of coffee. Like, when you get, I think, right, that was right, a shot. Like, hey man, hey man, you gotta, you gotta go there for a little bit. You gotta show yeah, up. To, you yeah. gotta show up a little bit. Yeah. But, I'm, but I'm saying it's like, hey man. Um, I remember when you were in New York. Uh, I'm a giant. I'm a Giants guy. So, but we keep a close eye on the Jets. You know, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Pro- probably boot against you a couple times. Uh, but you know what I'm saying? Um, for, but for you, let's talk about draft day, right? Everybody hires an agent, you know, agents supposed to keep you, uh, you know, uh, high spirits. What are you hearing, uh, you know, leading up to the draft? Do you know that possibly that you are going to go undrafted or you get told that you're going to be drafted? That's got to be a lot to fucking deal with too. It's like, dude, I did all this work now. You tell me I'm getting drafted. This guy and I, every professional athlete I talk to, especially football players, they look at mocks. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They they want to know where they're going. They want to know where their value is. Yeah. They want to know uh, if they're being uh, recruited by you know a draft position where they want to go. What's it like leading up to the draft? Man, um, I'm, I'm thinking I'm getting drafted. Of course. I'm getting all these calls from these teams saying, hey, we got you on our draft board. Just wanted to check and make sure it's the right number for you. I'm like, yeah, it's the right number. Make, you know, make sure you use it. So, you know, of course, the first two days go by the first, second, and third. I know I wasn't going that early. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, so we get to the, the the last day of the draft. We get to Saturday and, um, you know, I, I get a couple calls. I get two calls that day. I get one from the Chicago Bears and I get one from the Philadelphia Eagles. And they both say, hey, like, you're really high on our draft board. And, and we really like can see ourselves, you know, taking a look at you, you know, specifically the Eagles. They were like, "Hey, it's between you and this other guy." But you know, if you're there late, in, you know, late in the draft, we, we want to get you. I would have really, I, I would have really booed the shit out of you <laughs> if you ended up in Philadelphia. Man, sure, man, I, I would love to be <laughs> on Philly now. But <laughs> I hear, yeah, yeah, they're gonna be running no, around this year. So I'm going into that situation like, you know, very hopeful. Um, as the sixth round comes. You know, I'm starting to, you know, I read the mock, so I'm like, okay, maybe, you know, maybe six or seven. You know, they didn't say I was going to be guaranteed to get drafted, but I know I had a chance. So, where'd they have you going in the mocks? I, I kept seeing some some to Philly, some to, um, I can't think of that. I, I really can't even think of it. Yeah. Um, so, you, so you locked in on Philly a little bit. You're like, hopefully, yeah, I would yeah, end yeah. up going over there. For the Philly, I think that's a, you know, a good spot. Yep. And then, um, you know, I get the call from the Redskins in like the sixth round. And they're saying, like, hey, like, if you're available after the draft, we want to get you. I'm like, y'all still got like three picks, bro. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean after the draft? And he's like, man, I'm right here with the position coach. He, he right here, he's like, man, we want you. We want you. I'm like, bro, you pick me then. You know, yeah, pick me. So, um, but that's the thing, though, man. These NFL teams, they get busy after the draft. Oh, man. That's that's when a whole nother draft happens. That's when the real draft they, they feel like happens. Um, so, like, I'm going through the process, and, and it gets to, like, the seventh, and, and I see the Eagles take Jalen Mills. And then I'm, like, heartbroken then because, like, I had a little list on my phone of all the teams had, that said they had me on their draft board, and every single one of them had a safety, and, like, they're literally the last one that didn't. Was the um, was the uh, yeah was the Eagles, and they chose Jalen Mills, and I was like, man, you know, what I'm saying I'm not gonna get drafted, right? You know what I'm where, where where does your head go? Like the last yeah. pick, the last pick goes. Do you go back down, or you do you I'm know down. about the process? Down, yeah, bro, I'm down. I'm down, bad, bro. I'm, everything <laughs> I work my entire life. Like I want to be drafted. Who don't want to be drafted? I want to see my name come. Across no, I feel you. I feel you. Yeah, like, I feel you. I'm down, man. I'm, I'm down bad. So. 
I go outside and, and, and I'm just walking around and, and you know, it's me and my brother and, and, and my fiance, um, she was with me and, and we outside and I'm like, damn, like, it's crazy. Like, I, you know, I just swirl happened, but you know, it was, it was whatever I was, like I said, I was down, but then I got a call like a few minutes, like maybe like a minute later. So I really didn't even have that much time to really sit there and think about it. Yeah, yeah the, the universe, the universe wouldn't let you be sad. Yeah, they wouldn't let me, it like, then it happened so fast. I can't even really, I was sad for like two seconds. And then my agent called me was like, hey, like, um, you know, Tampa Bay, uh, Tampa Bay made an offer and 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 the Redskins made an offer. They, you know, the Redskins made a better offer. Where do you want to go? I was like, well, shoot, you know, the Redskins coach already called me. So I'm going to go to Redskins. He's like, all right, bet. So I'm like, I'm going to the Redskins. He literally calls me a minute later. I was like, yo, the New York Jets just called me. And I know that's your favorite team. And, you know what I'm saying? They just made a better offer. What you going to do? I said, well, let's go to New York. Let's yeah. go to New York. Why not? Like, cool, cool. He was like, all right, you're a New York Jet. You're a New York Jet. So after that, man, I hung up the phone and I got the call from the Jets. They called me. And, you know, I was so excited. Got a call from one of the scouts. And, um, and, and. You it became know, party time after that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I went upstairs, told my family. It was like kind of nonchalant. Like I said, I was like, yeah, you know. Without the Jets, because they were, they weren't like they they had already. They don't know much about free agents, so they were like, "We watched the draft." <laughs> draft They're like, what are you, you're lying. Yeah, That's going <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah. We just watch. We just watch it on TV. What are you talking about? Yeah. So I'm like, you know, I'm signed with the Jets. Like, what do you, what do you mean? Like, you sound, I'm like, yeah, free agency. They're like, you know, I'm going to Jets. So then they start going crazy and stuff, and we go to the mall. We drive to hurry up, drive to the mall, get a hat. Got to get, get a Jets hat real quick, and then um. You know, after that, man, we uh we literally get in a car and we go to Charlotte and we just party. And, Gotta and, do it. And, Gotta do it. And, and and the night I'm partying, um, my friend, um, well, he wasn't my friend at the time, but this guy Justin Burris, who got drafted in the fourth round to the Jets, he was in there having a, a draft party. Oh, at, dope! At the same club. So like, you know, we meet each other, or whatever. I think his cousin or somebody introduces us. And like I'm a little intoxicated, and yeah, I, no, no, man, you just yeah, you know, celebrate, you know what I'm saying? You're playing pro football. I'd be, I'd be and, intoxicated and, and, too. And, and, and he's sitting up there mad because he wanted to go earlier, and I'm celebrating. Uh, I got an opportunity, so we didn't really click at, at first. Right, we right, right. Heads a little bit, but you know, once we got to the rookie minicamp together, uh, we just we really clicked, and and really that's I mean that's probably my best friend to this day, man. So that's awesome. That, that's you know six years later. Um, um, so uh, I have to ask: Did you know that the that the Jets played in Jersey? I did. Okay, I did. good. You weren't you weren't one of the surprised ones. Nah, I, <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I didn't know where the stadium was actually located, but yeah, like rough, East Rutherford. You know I actually I was a Jets fan. Like I, I I like once I got to high school, I became a Jets fan because I loved Darrell Revis. So oh uh, yeah, I that's mean, why yeah. I was a Jets fan. I loved Darrell Revis and Rex Ryan. I thought Rex Ryan was like the best coach. Like oh I, yeah, that season of Hard Knocks is great. That's what I'm saying. I watched that, and I'm like, man, I gotta go play with this guy. Like, yeah. let's like, go get a fucking snack. Yeah, like who would want to play for him, man? Like, I would. Yeah, like he. I mean, you know, coaches are tough, but like he he seemed tough, but he seemed like he was fun too. You know, so I mean, and all the guys that played with him that was still there, they love Rex. Everybody loved Rex. You know. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. He's a he's a player's coach uh, for sure. I mean, it's oh, yeah. uh, you he's see played. you see how much the guys uh, love playing for him. Yeah, for sure. So. So, you know, that's an emotional roller coaster right there. Now, take me through the process of Hard Knocks does, does a great job of showing the process. Um, so you're in New York, I think, you, uh, for a couple of years, right? Yeah. I think it said uh, 2016 to 2018, if that's correct. Yeah, I was there until the August 2019. August 2019. Yeah. So, you know, this, you always keep this trusty uh, Wikipedia up here. Yeah, yeah. Um, tell me the feeling after your first professional tackle. That was, I mean, just really my first professional game. We were playing San Francisco and, um, you know, I was actually on the practice squad for a good part of my rookie year. And I knew, you know, kind of a fire job to right, the, no to, to the, to the novice. Yeah, I mean, you know you, what I mean. You want to you want to be playing in the show, like wanna, I get you that. Wanna, you want to be playing, that you want to be playing, and, and you want to be making that type of money. But 
for the position that I was in in, in my life and, and looking back on it, you know, it was, it was cool at that point in time in my life. And I was able to learn from, you know, some great guys like, you know, like Darrell Revis and, you know, Calvin Pryor, another first rounder and, yep. and Marcus Gilchrist and Buster Scron and like guys like that. I'm in the same locker room with them, learning in the same room, learning with them every single day, practicing with them every day, seeing how to be a pro. You get to pretend to be other players too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That know. shit's awesome. I'll be like, oh, I'm playing quarterback today? It's just yeah, yeah, you know what I'm <laughs> uh, I'm out there having to go play receiver and stuff. And yeah, like, man, it's like, fuck it. I'll, I'll do that yeah, shit. Like, fuck it. So, like, I'm having to do some of that type of stuff. And, and you know, at, at that point in my career, you know, it was cool. But I knew I was like, man, we played the San Francisco 49ers. And my college roommate had got drafted to the 49ers that year. His name is Ronald Blair. He actually just signed with the Jets yesterday. Um, oh, good. Oh. Yeah, but he was my college roommate, and um, I was like, man, whatever happens, like, I just know I want to play for this game against him. And like I said, God worked it out, and I got and I got moved up. Um, that 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 my first game was against my best friend, and um, I can remember being in San Francisco. That was like still to this day. That was the most fun I've ever had in the game. We won in overtime. No um, one could take it away from me either. Yeah, Bilal Powell walked off, and and on a walk off touchdown, I had a couple tackles. I had a, like a third down stop or. Come here a third or fourth down stop, but like to help win the game. It was, it was just a lot of fun, and and I had a pressure on Kaepernick. It was it was cool, like yeah, yeah, yeah. It was cool, man, and 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 I did it just, slow. Did it slow down for you? Was it super fast when you got up there? What what was? I yeah, yeah, it was, it was super fast. Like looking back on it now, there were some things, like, a lot of things I could do better. But right, right. You know, my coach was like, he just kept giving me positive reinforcement because like I really haven't had had that many practice reps that week. And he didn't. We didn't even know if I was going to really play that much on defense. Like, who's um, the D, who's the DC at that at that time? The DC was Casey Rogers. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, Casey Rogers, the head coach, was Ty Boyle. So he called. Yes. Uh, and they're both in in Tampa right now. Right. Know, right. Just won a Super Bowl. So yeah, they're doing all right. Yeah, they're doing all right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're doing okay. That's they're just... doing all right. So yeah, it was it was cool, man. And my position coach Joe Dana was actually the Nichols coach in Jacksonville. That's how I got okay. this. Okay. So got I, it, I think, it. you know, Danny, the whole league is relationships. That's all. Oh, it yeah. I mean, it's a it, it's a bro- it's a brotherhood. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody yeah. knows where everybody played. Everybody knows what this coach the coaches is. coaches want to have players they already had. Like, that's that's all it is. Like, and, so. and I feel like they'll refer to players to be like, yo, what do you know about this guy? Yeah, that's how they do. It's serious. Yeah. yeah. Because so, a lot of times Tate doesn't uh, – it doesn't transfer. Right. You know right. what I mean? Like, uh, you'll hear this fucking guy, fucking Mel Kuyper. It's like, you know, he's not the fastest guy, but he's a high motor guy. You know what I mean? He's a lot faster in real life than it shows up on film. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, dude, yeah. Is, is can the guy play or not? Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, it's Mel for you. He, he'll tell you what I'm yeah. you know, <laughs> He don't got no clue about intangibles and stuff. No, no. He's just like, you know, it's like, listen, he's a high motor guy. I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> can the guy play or not? Yeah. But, um, for you, um, so who was the toughest person you ever played against? Who just mentally was just like, this dude is living rent-free in my head at the moment? Uh, probably Tom Brady because I played him my second game. and No, I played him. It was my third game because my first game was the San Fran. Played really good. And then the next game, I played Miami. and I played even better. Yeah, yeah. And that's, and a, that's a division game. People get up for those. Division game. And then – after that, we played um, Tom Brady on Christmas Eve and rent free, you know, for sure. So, <laughs> the, it, is, is the aura true when he steps on the field? Is there an aura around him? Oh, yeah, for sure. You definitely like, yo, I'm, I'm lining up against Tom Brady. Like, I, I want to I pick this dude off so bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to pick him off and I want to make a play. And, and, and you, you, everything you got to do is detailed because, like, dang, this is like, this is the dude, you know? So, um, for sure, that's that's definitely tough. Like was uh, and then also Colin uh, back in the day, uh, you know, when he was playing, I won't yeah, even get was, it. I, I won't even get into that. Was he faster? Was he faster in person? Yeah, I mean, Colin Kaepernick, he was he was a good athlete. I mean, he was a good player, but he really didn't like like scare us or anything like that. I mean, right, I, right. Yeah, he it wasn't anything that was like. You know, this guy's is like a, uh, you know, he's he's a he was a really good quarterback, and we prepared for him, right? I mean, we beat him, so yeah, man, we we knew who he was. Um, it was cool, yeah. Coolest 
Two, two, two more football questions. Coolest jersey swap you ever did? It could be a personal one, or it could just be like, yeah, like you're nice. Let me get that jersey, because that's a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, I got a ton of jerseys upstairs. Um, I would say my coolest one. I mean, probably the first one. With I mean, your boy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably the first one. Probably what it means the most. Well, my it means the most to me, man. It's my, it's it's really my. Co- we came into college together. That was my best friend since I was seventeen years old. You know what I'm yeah. saying? You guys and did the ride together. I'm in the NFL stadium with him. You know what I'm saying? This is crazy. You crazy. Know? We used to talk about these times like every single day when we was going through morning workouts in school at App State or 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 in the dorm rooms. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah. And now we really doing them in real life. Like that's. That's wild. You know, it's wild. It's crazy. So, yeah. Um, I think that that one for sure. And like you said, like everybody knows everybody. That's why you see a whole bunch of guys go from teams within divisions. I'm sure people on the Dolphins talk to people on the Jets. Yeah. And they, and they got to see you, and they, they got to see you twice a year. Think so it's, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's what it is. It's like, uh, um, it's kind of like, you know, you have like those guys that sign those deals and they're there for a while. That's them up there. But, a lot of the times, it's what you could put on put on film. For sure, the division games are big too, man. I went from play for the Jets and then went to Miami, which is the mm-hmm. same division. But then, you know, once I went to the Jaguars, I ended up going to Tennessee for a little bit, and I also had to work out with the Colts. So it's like all the division. It's like you know, that's that's who you play the most, and that's where they kind of keep their eyes on the most. So you know. Um. So the uh, last uh, football related question. Um, obviously you'll, you'll play for anybody. Um, what are you, what have you been working on just in the off season, just in terms of getting better every day? Um, and, uh, you know, where, where do you see yourself growing the most as a player going forward? Um, you know, for me, just, it's always speed, you know, it's always the name of the game. That's even though it's something I'm good at, um, you know, that's still something that I, I, I continue to try to improve. Um, What's the weight at? Say it again? What's the weight at? My weight right now is at 209. 209. Um, All right. So, always, so That's so, always the constant battle for me is trying to keep my weight down because I, I like to play it like. Well, you're six, you're, six, you're six feet tall, legit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I usually play the season at 212, but I don't, I didn't, I don't like to play the season at 212. Like, I you like feel a little bit slower. Yeah, I feel a little bit slower. I'd rather be at like 209 or 208, maybe even 207 sometimes. And um, so that's that's the most consistent battle with me is keeping my weight down. But also really, you know, um, my change of direction, uh, my breaks out the post, um, my angles, th- those are some of the things that I've really been, um, you know, focusing on because that's, I mean, as a safety, that's what I do. My angles, yeah. is, angles is ball. Like that's, you know, that's that's what the game is all about. Like, yeah. You could be the fastest. You could be the fastest guy on the field. Yeah, you could be the, the fastest guy on the field. Point A to point B. You know. Yep. If uh, you know, point A to point B. If you get there better than the fastest guy on the field, you're just as fast as he is. Exactly. Uh, exactly. That's coming from an overweight five nine high school. Uh, <laughs> high, high school burnout. Uh, you know. You know what I mean. Listen, man. I had some calls, baby. I had D three knocking down my door. We call that white D one where I'm from. Thanks. You know what I'm saying? D three is white D one, baby. So they were just like, hey, man, you want to come scamp around for us a little bit? I was like, nah, I just like partying too much. But you know what I mean? Uh, but, yeah. you know, you know, I, I felt, you know, big, big fish, small pond. You know, the love is real. You know what I mean? I feel, I feel. You're living that white D1 calls, man. You sometimes you got to pick up the phone, get into a little bidding war, get a little bit of a social, uh, a little bit of a scholarship. They can't give you a full one. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just want to talk to you about also uh, your mental health advoca- uh, advocacy while you've been playing. Um, you've received an award from the NFL, um, and I just kind of wanted to talk about your story. Um, I don't want to read it word for word uh, about yeah. e- e- experience with the passing of your friend. Yeah. Um, if, if, if you're okay with uh, getting into that, um, yeah. is that when your mental health advocacy started? Yeah. Um... No man, to be honest, I've I've kind of known a little bit about mental health. Um, like I said with my mom. Yeah, for my dudes. But um that's not 
what really got me started. My mom isn't what get me started. When I started to see one of my, you know, people that I care about a lot and somebody that was literally my brother and my best friend um, get eaten up and see a person change from severe depression and just whole life altered. Um, that's when I began to really try to figure out what is what is mental health. Because as a kid, I really didn't know much about it. And and I didn't know, you know, what to tell them. I didn't know what to watch out for. And I didn't know, you know, what he should be doing. And, you know, I tried to, you know, my mom tried to help and we all tried to help. But the thing about it is, is, is there's no quick fix for, for mental health or mental illness. Like you, there's no one quick formula. Like, you know, therapy may w work for one person. Uh, medication may work for another one. You know, therapeutics, like there's, there's so many different things that's out there and, and it takes a combination of all those things. Um, and, and it takes maybe trying, you know, several different, you know, several different counselors, therapists, seven different, you know, several different, you know, different types of medicine before you find the right, you know, fix for you. For and sure. I didn't understand that, you know, and at that point in my life, I felt like we had helped him as much as we could. And I was like, you know, he should be good. You know, he should be, he should, he should be fine. And, and that wasn't the case. And, um, you know, just seeing him suffer was tough. And, and when I got that call from my dad that, and he told me that my best friend had just, uh, you know, he had just suffered death by suicide, man. It was, it was, it was tough, man. And, um, you know, I spoke at his funeral and talked about, um, you know, what he was going through, what his life meant to me and, and, and severe depression and mental health. And the pastor got up there and he was like, man, you know, that sounds good, but like, you know, we should just pray all our burdens on the Lord and, and we should just come and talk, you know, talk to the pastor about it. And it just kind of like neglected everything I said. And, and, you know, I had people walking up to me at the funeral just saying, you know, how they were suffering too and how they didn't know how to get resources. And I think, you know, maybe a couple of days later is when I started to realize like, hey, like maybe, you know, maybe I need to focus on this a little bit more, you know? And then so leading into that, I, I tore my pec on my right side. That um, sounds awful. Yeah, it was tough. It was tough. <laughs> sounds terrible, so, dude. So not only did I just bury my best friend, then I oh. know, have a season in injury and I got to rehab this thing for six, six months. It's time pet. to think. Now you're just yeah. sitting on the couch thinking there about everything. So now I'm sitting on the couch high off, you know, freaking um, yeah, perk or whatever they gave you. Whatever they gave me from the surgery and watching Netflix. And I can't stop thinking about like mental health. Like I, I just can't stop thinking about it. And so I start Googling stuff, mental health and, and nominee comes up and, you know, I was, I had re, you know, got back into school to get my master's at that time. So Oh, you're a smart guy, huh? Yeah, I, I got my master's degree in public administration. That that was good for you. That, that came from the injury that was positive. So good for you. Yeah, I appreciate that. So you were um, turning negatives into positives your whole life, bud. Man, I'm telling you. So you know, I had I I, I came up to school in Boone, and and I sat and met with this older couple, and they they had lost their son to suicide, and they were just I was like, man, what do I do? Like, what you know? It's like you need to get involved with not. You need to like figure out how your story can help others. Like your best friend didn't just die for it to happen. He may have died to save a lot of other people. And once I realized that, like I knew, like I knew, you know, I had a bigger purpose. And from that point on, like I stopped being Doug Middleton, just a football player to being Doug Middleton, the mental health, mental advocate, mental health advocate, and, you know, football player. Like football player became second to me. And yeah. it's been second to me you know, for the last five years of my life, you know, um, last five years of my career too. So, you know, I love football. It's, it's something that's, that's, you know, changed my entire life at the same time. I know that mental health is my purpose. I know that mental health is how I'm going to make a difference. And I know that football is, is going to give me that platform and, and I'm going to do whatever I can, you know, to, to respect that platform and keep it going. But at the same time, I know that mental health is, is where I can make a difference. See, so, I think, I think, um, the idea is, you know, you see a lot with professional athletes. It's uh, after they're done playing, it's what do I do now? Yeah. Um, and it, it's hard to find another passion because that, that's the highest level you could reach. You don't really have time for other things. 
tough, man. It's you tough. Know? And, and, and uh, a lot of a lot of our guys suffer, man, because sometimes you don't even think about what's next. You so like feel like if you think about something else, it's gonna take away from your game now. Yeah, and just, and then you know it's um you're 27, I'm 32, so I'm a little bit older than you. I was the last era where you could kind of like get a concussion. They tell you like chew an ice chip and go back in the game. I'm sure that you were there too, uh, for a little bit. Um, you know, also just what the brain trauma from football. You're 27. How much longer do you see yourself? putting your body through this shit? I would say till I'm 30. 30, like, I always want to play three more years. That's my goal, to play till I'm 30. Who knows, you know, how would it go? Right. Um, you know, who, who knows, but... Because I looked at guys like Patrick Willis and, like, Luke Keekley. I commend yeah. those guys for walking away. Yeah, 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 for sure. For At the sure. top of their game, Patrick Willis could have went down as the best middle linebacker of all time. Yeah. Luke Keekley possibly, too. Same thing, yeah. I mean, it definitely takes a beat on your body, um, you know, and I feel it. You know, you, you, <laughs> yeah, for sure. You, you know what you know what you're doing to your body. Um, but like I said, like you know, you got to really examine. Got to have goals. You got to have purpose. Like you got to do everything with a purpose. You got to know why you're doing it. Like I know that you know some of the sacrifices I make in football, that may be to, to help set my family up. You know, and yeah, foundation and. At what point does that, you know, become too much where the purpose isn't outweighing what it's doing to my own body? That's when I was like start to make decisions like that. So right now it hasn't got to that point, but you know, when it does, like I, I'll never be afraid to make that decision. You know what I'm saying? Like so So uh, your friend passes, you know, you tear your peck. Like yeah. you said, you're on the couch. You start getting involved. You meet with this older couple who lost their son. Yeah, yeah. Um, then, you know, um, you actually get recognized by the NFL. Yeah. Uh, for, for, your, for your, you know, your, your work with mental health. And yeah. um, can we talk about um, just a little bit about your foundation and uh, what you guys have been doing? What do you guys have planned for the future? Um, you know where people can find it everything uh just yeah, yeah for sure yeah go off my um so <laughs> the event the event go off king go off king i got you i got you i'm gonna go crazy for you yeah said. bro my uh the you know just to date back on, on on finishing that story so met with the couple and then after i met with them trying to figure out how to get involved with mental health so i gave a call to brandon marshall brandon marshall said hey man Big mental health advocate himself. Yeah, yeah, you can partner on my organization. You know, you can do any work you need to do, and we can get it done like that. Well, you know, I realized that, you know, doing everything through his organization, I wasn't going to be able to have, you know, some of the support, like say I was raising money or, or had a bigger goal to do some of the other stuff. I wasn't really going to be able to direct that the way I wanted to. So I decided to create my own foundation, um, Dream Them Possible. I called it dreaming impossible because it's something that always stuck in my head since I was a little kid. When, when I used to share my dreams with people, they always said, man, you're not going, that ain't going to happen, man. That's impossible. You know what I'm saying? And so like the fact that, you know, my dreams is, have always been impossible. I tell other kids all the time, man, like don't just dream to be a football player. Don't just dream to be an athlete. Like dream that something like when somebody hears you say it, it's, it's they're going to say, man, that's impossible. So that's, you know, I created dream impossible. And it's really um, it started off to be a mental health organization um, that brought awareness to, you know, uh, mental health in the African-American community. But we've shifted our focus from that. And I'm going to get into that in a little bit. But, um, you know, so I did my first event and we pretty much brought all the kids in and, and got them everything they went on the Christmas list, fed them, had a mental health advocate come in and explain what mental health was and, and explain to them, you know, some of the things they need to watch out for, the warning signs, the, the risk factors. Um, you know, the, some of the resources out there. And then, um, you know, after that, um, you know, we got them everything uh, that they wanted on their Christmas list. And like some of these kids may have just wanted uh, a bed to sleep on. You yeah. Know? You know, or some of these kids may have just wanted, you know, a winter a winter coat, you know, and, and that was some of the things that, that we, we got them. And you could just hear the stories from these kids, man. They, out there struggling, man, and, and, and just to be able to be a blessing them was, was very fulfilling. So, 
you know, we did that event and, and um, you know, we won a community MVP for that, for that from the NFL and, and they gave us a grant and, and we continued to push it forward and see it forward. And, and we, we not only have done this event every single year, but um, we've made it bigger and better each year. And now every single, um, you know, student that comes get a pair of shoes and a winter coat every time, you know, for That's every dope. Yeah, That's man. dope. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a kick, I'm a kick guy myself. So, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, I was uh, a pair of shoes, man. So, and then um, go off of that, you know, we do a, a, do a panel where we have, um, you know, people from the community that are successful in other career paths to expose these kids to what else is out there besides being an athlete or being a rapper or being a drug dealer. Like what else is out there for these kids? And, and that's kind of where we're focused at now. They're launching this thing called the Dreamers Initiative where we're focusing a little, a lot more on that career development, but also that piece where I talked about earlier about making sure that these great athletes make it to college and graduate. Like, why don't they, why don't they have the resources, you know, to make it to college and, and with all the talent that they have? Well, we're going to make sure they have that, those resources. We're gonna for make sure, sure, for sure. Because, you know, there's a lot of, of you know, these kids from, uh, from neighborhoods that, uh, you know, don't have the best uh, people around them. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's tough for them to get these resources. And it's also tough for people to just find, you know, uh, these kids can't even find doctors to go to. Right. Right. L- let alone think about, you know, um, going somewhere to uh, college campus. You know? Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, dude, I've never seen anything like this. They don't know what's going on. Right. And a lot of it is just from they don't have the necessary assets to get them to a place where they could one feel safe in their own community two also know exactly what's going on with them. It's very, very difficult. And I always find that, you know, a lot of people who come from these, um, you know, underprivileged communities, you know, everybody, the statistics are out there. The African-American community does not have the resources that, that white communities have. It's just, it's just, it's just facts. Um, and I think a lot more uh, light is being shed on that. So um, especially with Dream the Impossible, you know, it's making people aware. And it's it's corny to say, like, it's cliche, but mental health awareness is one of the most important things that people can do right now. Right. And help, you know, get rid of these stigmas and try to get, you know, people who can't get the resources, the resources that they need. Um I think what you're doing is obviously amazing. Uh, I think uh, everybody who listens to this is going to understand how important it is. All walks of life struggle for mental health, but just like everything else, there is a class system on who gets uh, to see, you know, a therapist first. Who gets to see the, 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 who gets to go see the doctor first. It's just what it is. Right. And, um, you know, I just want to say as, you know, uh, just not even as a sports fan, but just as a, a mental health advocate myself, I'm very proud of you. Um, I think what you're doing is going to save lives and what you're doing is already saving lives and helping children who Honestly, I feel is the most important part of mental health is if we could help start them early, man. start them early, you know, we could help save some of these kids lives. Um, I think I think that's what what your friend would want. Uh, I think that's what everybody would want and what you're doing um, right now. You know, I don't want you to ever feel like it doesn't go unnoticed. People are noticing. And uh, Doug, listen, man. Um, I really appreciate you coming on and telling your story. Uh, you know, even though you play for the Jets, <laughs> uh, you know, and uh, listen, man, I'm really looking forward to everything that you do. I mean, obviously, after the show, let's lock in. I want to stay posted with what you're doing. Anything I could do to help, uh, I would love to. And um, tell them where they can find. Um, yeah, 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 say, tell, yeah. yeah, tell them where they can find Dream the Impossible, where they can yeah. find you. Check us out on dreamtheimpossible.org. And then, um, you know, Instagram, Dream the Impossible 36. And then me, um, you can find me on all my platforms at 36DM underscore ERA underscore ERA. So there it is. My man, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Keep doing your thing, bro. And like I said, man, I'm, I'm proud of you. Uh, appreciate it. 
uh, on a, on a not, not even football related, you know, I could go on for an hour on how uh, inspirational your story of how you just got there to play is, but what you're doing with your platform is just as, if not more important. Right. So, I, so I appreciate what you're doing, man. Stay safe. Uh, God bless you and your family, man. And if you ever need anything, you reach out to us over here. Appreciate it. All right, man. Be good.